1: One, two, three, four! It's Peter, France, Nico, Perringer, and Ren, and of course me, Jake, here for another episode. What's up, everyone? Nico's got the hand band. Isn't Peter's it? supposed to be playing his other piano, but he's not. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> he's just mean mugging the camera instead. Ooh, guys, um, I don't know how we begin, but we begin. Happy um, Monday. I don't know, I don't know where do we Monday, end son. sometimes. Yeah, we'll see if this comes out even close to Monday. Hopefully, it will. <laughs> Maybe it'll be more like Thursday, but it doesn't matter because we're all here together, and uh, I think that's what podcast... And I think that's what podcasts are all about, you know?
2: Hey, remember remember, like two weeks ago when we had a podcast before the election was over and we're like, mm-hmm. who knows who will win the election? I'm sure they'll all know by the time this podcast comes out.
1: That's why we invited <laughs> back on four more heteronormative white guys to talk about <laughs> politics. you guys ready? All Let's right. do it. Let's <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, so that was fun and... Uh, we still don't quite know. I mean, I think we all know, but maybe we don't know.
2: know. We all yeah. know. Everybody but the president literally tweeted <laughs> oh. last night. And all, actually, you know what? Don't even go. Don't even go. We don't even need to talk about don't this. Don't even go. Let's move We don't even need on. any attention.
1: Let's move on. No more on. free real
2: estate. No more free real estate. It's free real estate. Uh,
1: so, guys. Um, I figured so, this would be a great opportunity for all of us to talk about things we've been building, such as uh ren's you know camera Ren and nico's camera gun thing that you're we literally about. just
0: started that today i'm literally wearing the shirt that is like me starting the whole thing <laughs> i
1: know but it's super cool and it's something nico's been wanting to do forever so i figured that'd be a great starting point
2: yeah we're making a camera gun <laughs> like wait what the heck is a camera gun everybody's yeah. probably wondering. Go shoot, shoot shots cameras? with it yeah <laughs> You get shots with it, man. You get sweet shots with it.
1: Because every time you're on set, you're like, yo, we got to get the shot. Hey, can you just shoot that shot real quick?
2: And- exactly. <laughs> and so that's better- that's only normal.
3: Yeah. Okay, I'll, so I'll, I'll it pull w- it up real Dude, quick. Dude, run and gun shooting in LA is going to be so much more sexy <laughs> with this. Now, imagine <laughs> yes. a
0: camera going right here. It's hard to see, uh, but there's like a like a special tripod plate that I've mm-hmm. mounted. I took an angle grinder to an old airsoft gun and just cut it to shreds.
1: Nice.
2: <laughs> so everybody listening to this is probably wondering what the heck we're doing. Everybody watching this is probably also wondering what the heck we're doing. No, we are not trying to just make our cameras edgier and uh, more, more likely to get, you know, the cops called on us. That is not Sam our intention. Sam called
0: it a really bad idea.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> I, I called that that it a bait bait great idea. You did. <laughs>
0: No, actually, so. he said, I
1: like that.
2: <laughs> Look, this is a closed-set device, all right? This is not a take it out in a public street device. It's a closed-set device.
1: I mean, if so. you know anything about your AR-15s, sorry to cut you off, Nico, but if you know anything <laughs> about your AR-15s, you'll obviously notice from Ren's picture that there's no magazine, which, even if it could fire, wouldn't. <laughs> there could a be magazine one around
2: in and there, son.
3: There
1: could be, but really, would there be? <laughs>
2: All I know is that when the uh, swap mags, it's going to be way more stylish now. <laughs> film yeah, mags. Film I, yeah, magazines.
1: The, the, the mags.
2: <laughs> yeah, the data mags. Yeah, the data mags. So back in the day, and this is the story I told at the beginning of the crew video that we filmed today. Back in the day when we first got the Scarlet, our first red. It such an expensive camera that, like, we didn't have any money to spend on rigging. So, like, all we had for the camera was, like, a top handle <laughs> and a lens. And then the camera's body, and, like, that was kind of it as far as rig- rigging went. So we'd always, like, put the camera on our shoulder and almost do, like, a like a sack of potatoes, like, kind of pose where, like, your hand's resting on the top and then the camera's, like, pushed into your shoulder. And then your left hand is holding the, the lens. It's almost like you're holding a, a rocket launcher or a bazooka. Like, that's kind of how we held the camera. And... Even though it was, like, really uncomfortable, the shots were really stable, and as we, like, started getting better gear, it was more comfortable, but it was never quite as stable and as compact as it was when we were doing it, that method of, like, the bazooka hold. Mm -hmm. So I had an idea a long time ago to, to, like, try to set it up like like a rifle, where you have, you know, a stock going into your shoulder, you have a pistol grip coming out from underneath the camera body, and then your left hand, which would be holding the barrel of the rifle, is holding the barrel of the lens, you know, the analogy is, like, the, the words are just too, like, there's too many synonyms <laughs> between cameras and guns for it to not make sense to build a, a rifle camera. But, uh, you know, the thing is, it's, it's three points of contact that make it stable. If you only have two points of contact, it's, it's like an axle. You can still pivot around it. Um, so three points of contact gives it stability. So you have your pistol grip, you have your shoulder stock, and then you have your other hand on the barrel. And so those three points of contact, three, you know, for a rifle, it makes a rifle really stable. And theoretically, it would make a camera really stable also. So it's kind of like it's kind of like another way to approach doing shoulder-mounted camera work, but it's a little more flexible. You can pick it up and put it down a little bit easier. It's a little bit more in front of you. Like when a camera weighs like 25 pounds, then putting it on your shoulder makes sense. But if your rig only weighs 5 pounds or 8 pounds or something like that, holding it in front of you kind of like a rifle is not really all that exerting, and it just it gives you a little bit more of that flexibility for doing kind of like handheld camera work while still making it stable in the process. So that's where. we're... That's what we're messing with right now.
1: So listen, as, as long as you only have two points of contact on uh, a, an AR-15 that has a barrel that's long shorter than like six inches, I think, mm-hmm. it's a pistol in the great state mm-hmm. of Texas. And uh, as long as you can fire it with one hand, it's still legal. Wow.
3: That's that's all I know about three points What's of contact. What's the minimum requirement of firing it with one hand just that it doesn't fly out of your hand? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Did would hit, wow. Did hit yep. the broad
2: side of a barn?
1: Yep, pretty much. <laughs> Anyways,
3: uh so it's three points of
1: contact. That's right, cuz that's what makes yeah. that's what makes most shoulder mounted stuff work cuz you got the shoulder, you got the two hands in front. It's rigged all together. Yeah. And that's what you can get. Pretty good shots. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see what you guys do with it.
2: Yeah, you know the theory too. With like, when you can pull it into your shoulder. You create a little bit of like that reverse tension, which like a shoulder mount, like a regular shoulder mount, doesn't have that. It just it kind of rests on you. Mm-hmm. Whereas this has you kind of like pulling against itself, you know, so, or you're pushing against it on your shoulder. So everything like packs in and comes a little more stable. But you know, I dreamed it. Ren has to make it a reality. <laughs> <laughs> and. A, it's tricky because you can't just necessarily 3d print just something all in one go like this or maybe you can but there's nuances to it you know it, it seems like 3d printing is this like wonderful catch-all or can just make anything it's like well but you still have to design it and so that's what the Ren's design is out. the problem right now
0: it's like sure if i had something to print i could print it out tonight and have it ready tomorrow but i don't have like an actual design yet i, yeah. I just got to the point where i can start designing something <laughs> but now i'm doing this yeah. podcast so you know
2: <laughs> are you, uh, what are you thinking
0: <clears throat> um, basically, uh, more of like a socket. So the way I cut into the gun, I ha- it took a lot, first off, oh my god, it took a lot of time to take <laughs> that gun apart? <clears throat> that was, that was quite the challenge, and of course I had to wear a white t-shirt when I'm handling grease
1: and <laughs> dirt. It's and- got pins and stuff, you could have just removed it and had the lower receiver. Oh, I took it without all Without having to angle grind through it.
0: I only angle grinded through the actual metal. of the of the outer lower like the frame of the lower everything else actually dismantled but it it wasn't as direct. uh, the two pins i took out that was easy but there are a (laughs) bunch of other small little things like the gun stock itself had a screw that was going through it into the internals Mm -hmm. of the gun that eventually i figured out oh i got to take that out and then there's this other tiny pin a tiny tiny pin yeah (laughs) Like, a millimeter wide, that, that was, like, the last thing, keeping it all together. And once I got that out, the whole thing just came apart. I was like, yes. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, those yeah. guns have so many parts. That's why they always fail.
0: <laughs> but once I got all that, uh, basically, the idea was that I wanted to have the camera lower than just, like, to sit the the plate. Oh, that was the other thing. There's a Sackler plate that Nico uh, brought up that's, it's like, this whole frame in a plate that attaches to the camera, pops right in. And uh, instead of just setting it on top, which would make the camera, like, really top-heavy, I decided to cut into the frame to lower it down a little bit, lower center of mass. Uh, So now it's just a matter of trying to model and then print some sort of uh, interface uh, mount between that thing and the gun itself. And uh, I've got it positioned so that the screw holes to that plate itself are accessible through the magwell, and so I just got to figure out how to kind of just put it together. I could just, like, get a big bolt and a big washer... And screw it shut, and that will work. <laughs> That'll work.
1: So that's Spobility. that's our plan B. Yeah. Or maybe it's like plan E, but <laughs> it's somewhere there. there, it's there if we need it. I'll
0: have to get some big ass screws though, if we're gonna do that. I got I got we'll a still spot. Need to
1: get some some <laughs> There's a, there's some a place in uh, no. There's a place. So there's a place in uh, if you if you're working on cars and stuff. Sometimes you need specialty bolts. And one time, I was—I have that old Ford, and the uh, bolt that holds the alternator into the actual um, engine cast snapped. And uh, so I had this half of a bolt, like, stuck into the engine cast, and I had to drill (laughs) it out and then reverse it and stuff. And after that, I was like, never again am I going to get a (laughs) bolt that's just normal. I need something hard. So I called around to these specialty places. There's actually a bunch of them in L.A., um. So, if you need like specialty hardware, yeah, there's wow. a lot. Of, yeah, yeah, you can get the world's hardest bolt.
0: I mean, I just I just need a a long quarter inch
1: bolt, well, yeah, <laughs> or a screw. But if you wanted to withstand like a traffic
3: accident, you can get that too. If there's gonna be, I'm a sure VR2, we'll be throwing this camera through a traffic accident. <laughs> <ad> <shoots laughs> Rounds, so you'll need the best one. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting prob- pro- uh, possibility with this rig is that you could totally like in a chaotic action scene with lots of guns and soldiers running around it could be an incognito camera about somebody wielding the camera gun
0: i see i see i was yeah. about to say what's incognito about a gun
3: <laughs> but That's i see in is. an action
0: scene where everyone's got a gun mm-hmm. yeah interesting but yeah but we've sure only we had we're only like one day into this uh video so far so it could end up going different directions down the road ideally we actually end up shooting something with it for this video even if it's just like a small little uh sequence of a few shots just to kind of put the camera through its paces
2: yeah Mm -hmm. um we'll see you want us to shoot something with the camera gun
1: there you go that's the title (laughs) of the video right there (laughs) it's called no safety (laughs) literally there's no safety trigger (laughs) That's the title of the the video in the video is
2: called "No No Safety." (laughs) Yeah, dude, I carry a clip loaded in my playback, just like so it's hot the moment I hit the (laughs) cord. Can you can you mod the camera so that the uh,
1: data magazine goes through the actual magazine receiver? (laughs) I wish no, (laughs) and then you you put a huge one on there so you have like ten terabytes of data, and you and you unclip it just like a real magazine. (laughs)
3: Yeah, or if you get get it set up with the red, you could use the red mags, going like the little baby thin thing up into the (laughs) mag. oh yeah.
1: (laughs) And then send it to uh, like a Sarah. They have that Sarah coating or Terra coating or whatever it's called. That really fancy gun coating. Oh. (laughs) And you can get it. You can get painted in all these ridiculous colors. So we should send it off to get painted in like a really really fancy paint job. That could be cool. (laughs) Gold and black. Think they could do it by the end of this week. Lightning. Yeah. No problem. Really. I mean it would cost way more than it's worth but <laughs> <laughs> also both Dean
0: and Nick have separately suggested that I somehow turn the trigger into like a record button so you like oh, that would be great shooting <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know how to do that right now
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah I think there's a technically a, a remote record like protocol that a lot of cameras share where if you just like give it a certain electrical signal across a certain port it'll just enable recording
0: okay
3: so
2: uh, but...
0: black magic has that I can maybe wire that up to like a little button
3: and put a button yeah. in place you can buy of the, the trigger switches on amazon for like five bucks
2: yeah we can oh. always just say we did it <laughs> <laughs> no. when have we
0: ever done that no. we never do that we always do it for not real. with something like that Not with something
1: like that that would need to function for real
0: yeah also i keep uh seeing out of the corner of my eye uh the, did you model a camera an eyeball camera
3: peter, <laughs> peter did yeah where oh is that on nick's computer yeah
0: it's on the computer over there and it looks exactly like the original uh what was it samsung galaxy 360, the 360 camera. camera oh yeah. you're right. it, it looks I exactly like that <laughs> i was just trying to make
3: like an A- apple made an eyeball what it would look like
0: i mean it's pretty spot on
1: <laughs> sweet
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah uh that,
1: t- that video is coming out tomorrow so by it the is. time this podcast comes out, it'll have just come out. So hell yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. What's going on there? What's going
3: on there? Well, yeah, with the eye camera, I think I think it's done. Ask Nico. done.
2: <laughs> uh, so Peter, myself, and Nick, I've uh, been working on this video last week. Where it was is just a question I had, you know, in the back of my mind, which was, what are the specs of your eye? Like, you know, does your eye see in eight K? Does it see in 16k does it see you know is it 10 bit <laughs> like what the heck if your eye was a camera what would the specs be you know if you want to make a camera better than your eye what what would you what would have to be in it yeah. um and so that you know eventually we had a time here we could record a crew video um about something like that and did some research and did some experiments and and we discovered what it would take to make an eye camera. Um, so Peter and I have a little skit going where we're acting like he's Peter Jobs. I'm Nico Wozniak. We're launching the eye camera. Because uh, the problem is, like, we were trying to make cameras and we weren't successful. Then we realized it's because everybody has a camera in their head. So we need to make a camera that's better than that one if we're going to sell these cameras. And hence the eye camera was born.
0: The eye camera. <laughs> the eye eye.
3: Eye eye camera. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Nico yeah. was doing all the heavy lifting. I was just there to go.
2: Whoa! <laughs> yeah, it's cool.
3: <laughs> we, we, got a, we had a good muscles.
2: repertoire going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, your jobs impression was actually pretty solid. So, thank you. you, know, you. The, the bow and the walk and whatnot. You did I that for. Uh,
1: you did that for a brand integration too
3: the other day. Yeah, I don't know how that one's going to turn out. That was super weird. <laughs> I, guess we'll I think, see. I think we already what? released it. Did we? I no, think I think so. it's coming out with the iVideo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I don't okay. think I. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah, it's like me just hanging out in the broom closet doing. I the was a big aggressive. fan. I was a big fan, Great. especially
1: with the B roll. Did you see Nick intercut the B roll of like people at uh, iPhone, <laughs> you know, like conventions, like oh, like an along. Apple keynote. Yeah, a keynote. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that was super funny. Those Raycons. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, we got the eye camera. Now, uh, Nico, how many stops does it need,
2: did you say, to to beat the human eye? Like, 16?
1: Or is it no, 20?
2: No, 20, over 20 stops. You need basically 21 stops or so. Okay. To to be at the level of, like, the mechanics of the human eye. But then, like, we have really nice neural net processing uh, yeah. behind all our images, which, interestingly enough, uh Apple's doing their iPhone now, the iPhone 12. There's neural processing on all the photos you take and the videos Whoa. it's pretty crazy what does that um, mean so have you, you guys have seen like the, I mean all, everybody here on this podcast right now you've seen the like the videos or something like up res old footage or mm-hmm. runs like an old image you know thing through like a image up reser and he uses an AI to upscale that stuff wait what, you? what? You or you know uh, Nvidia's no, I'm, been, I'm sorry I'm playing <laughs> that, was a, that was a bad <laughs> joke <laughs> Uh, well, maybe... Um, so... <laughs> so, you've seen maybe NVIDIA... Oh, I get it what you're saying, Ren. Sorry, I'm just in a very literal state of mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> maybe... Uh, you, I'm sure people are familiar with N, NVIDIA's demonstration. Of, I think it's like DLSS, where like it renders like a 720p image and then it upscales it to 4K. Um, yeah, so Apple's doing something similar in their phone. Because they have a standardized you know, lens and a sensor they can really go hard in profiling their camera and how it acts. So, for example, you take that sensor and that lens, take a picture at regular exposure in a spot, turn all the lights off and give it a little bit of light, crank the gain, take another picture. And now you have a ground truth of, like, here's a picture without any noise, all clear, and here's here's one with a bunch of noise because the gain is boosted way high. And then you can use an AI to try to match those two um, since you can feed it the correct answer after it sees the noisy one and tries to guess its own answer. Got it. Uh, it's, a really, it's a really good way to do, uh, you know, uh, deep learning is to have, like, a set of correct answers. The computer tries to guess, and you can look at the correct answers and compare the two. And then wow. the more correct it is, the, the more you encourage it to keep going down that path of development. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Apple's basically been doing this for all their stuff because everything's, you know, all built into the phone. It's all profiled. Um, and so now there's, like, you know, AI-based noise removal. There's AI-based up happening. There's AI-based, like, image clarity and enhancements going on. And, like it's very very subtle, and he, there's like certain cues to look for. And the thing that I noticed was my eyelashes being really defined in the selfie camera when it was low light. Like you can see like, some of the, like the compression blocking and some of the, like, like the color splotchiness, but then I'd have eyelashes and they'd be crisp. And I'd be like, that's weird. Oh. <laughs> I was Do you think seeing it's like this detail. Yeah, it's trained on people because it's known. It, it goes like, okay, this is the part that would usually be an eyelash. It's a little bit of a blurry pixel now, but let's enhance it to what it should be and that's what's going on it's very subtle i mean the pictures look great um but oh. it's interesting just see a dedicated ai filter working on every picture you have now does
1: it do that locally or is it mm-hmm. using a
2: cloud for that no it does it locally they part of the chip on the iphone is dedicated to running uh machine learning models yeah. <laughs> and doing it quickly honestly like the way to go <laughs> it's really smart
3: I mean, that's the thing about machine learning models, right, is that it takes a lot of processing power to create them, but then not that much to run them after they're created, right?
2: Exactly, yeah. Training them is the hard part. It's running them that's... I mean, granted, you can make a clunky model that's hard to run, but, like, generally speaking, running them is much, much faster than training them.
0: Mm. Plus, the advantage of running it on a dedicated processor for that is that it's much more energy efficient. It's going to use far less, you know, battery power. Because I remember back when, like, uh, the iPhone was first a thing, and... It would die so quickly because the GPS was running off of the processor and and anytime you're using Google Maps, your battery would die like ten times faster. And so after like another one or two generations of phones, they dedicated an entire different chip just to running GPS processing and that like increased battery uh, efficiency by like dramatically.
1: Yeah, this yeah. Is some pretty wild stuff that's going on in phones right now. Like Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. also, also, uh Nico, uh so
0: this is your first new phone in 3 years. You had the 10, the original 10, the uh, X, the original 10, yeah. And now you're on the 12. So you mm-hmm. now have a wide-angle camera on your on your
2: phone. Ooh, yeah, it's Ooh, great. Nice. I love the wide-angle camera. It's like I I'm, nice. I'm jealous. So cool. I have like
0: the 10s Max or whatever, so I don't have that.
2: Yeah, man. I I've been missing old. it. You know. It's uh you know, at this point in time, like, my phone's just my baby picture camera. I use it to take pictures of my baby. That's pretty much mostly all I do with it. That and yeah. play civilization and talk on Discord, you know, <laughs> so and send text messages. So it's like, I hate that wide-angle camera. I was just, like, I was feeling it. Like, I was like, oh, I'm trying to get these pictures, and I can't get them. I'm too close. I can't back up far enough. The walls are—I live in a city. My buildings are too small, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's really nice. The wide-angle just opens up so many things. I, I swear in— Within 10 years, Apple will make normal cameras, like DSLRs and all that, just make them obsolete. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. They'll still be like, you know, just like the people that buy records, there'll still be people that buy DSLRs and specialty (laughs) jobs and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, I think the attraction for just the hobbyist and like even maybe the prosumers to go with a DSLR or even like a cinema camera, like the Blackmagic Pocket or something just can be wiped away after Apple's done like with their stuff
0: yeah because it's, it's like the the main <clears throat> mainstay of having like solid big pieces of glass for lenses and and whatnot is that you have it's the actual physics of an aperture being a certain mm-hmm. size accepting more light and and having like that depth of field and whatnot uh, you're never able to capture that with the tiny lenses that are on our cameras however with all of the crazy uh, processing going on with these photos now they're able to detect depth and just Simulate depth of field and bokeh in all of your shots from now on. So at a certain point, it's like, I bet you'll see like a tiny little lens, tiny little sensor capturing something that's just as good as a big lens and big sensor with proper depth of field.
1: Yeah, probably at a certain point, just like with resolution, you know, it got to a point where you just couldn't tell whether something's, I mean, after 4K, you know, you just can't really can't really tell either way yeah um i could see that with with image processing i mean it'll eventually get good enough um yeah yeah that's that the thing for me would be the um the the actual physical form of it because it's easier when you can attach you know handles and put it in a frame and uh you know you've got the actual form factor of a camera Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing for a phone right now is that it it doesn't it doesn't you have to hold it like this and you kind of have to hold it daintily and you get put a piece of <laughs> plastic on it that pops out that's attached with glue it's just it's still kind of you know it's still kind of janky <laughs> um, I, I I don't know how you get past that I guess you you could you could build some kind of aftermarket box
2: true but there's a couple things is like one <clears throat> like this lens profile is so tiny like I can get this like on a table you know and get a shot from like on the table like yeah if i wanted to do like you know a point of view of this battery i can actually get that because the phone is so tiny or things even just like holding it like out a window or like getting other cool angles with it it's very easy to maneuver so on one hand the tininess counts against it but on the other hand it's also really nice <laughs> for some, certain angles yeah it's so light too i mean you can always rig it up you could rig up a phone or just you put a, a hunky case for it you know put on a glove and the glove
1: has a stabilizer and the glo- <laughs> the glove holds the camera.
2: The and glove has little just... drone propellers one yeah, on each side. It, it, it just so it, it just, just pushes your hand to keep it stable. It just balances it wherever you move it. Yeah. Yeah. That would actually
1: be pretty sweet. Maybe you should come up with that next Red. after you print the uh yeah, after you print the camera gun, <laughs> Peter. <laughs> yeah, Red. You do it. Thanks for your input, Peter. <laughs> Hello, it's that time in the episode where I tell you about today's sponsor, Storyblocks. Now, if you guys don't know who they are, that means you probably haven't listened to this podcast very much because they sponsor us all the time. So I wanna tell you who they are, not only because they sponsor the podcast, but also because we use them here at Corridor Digital for all of our stock asset needs. Storyblocks is the complete stock solution for creators and businesses alike when they're looking for high quality video images, and sound and music for all the things that they're creating. They offer royalty free plans, meaning that you can download from their site and use it in things that you are monetizing or commercial projects that you are using or creating for other clients. This is great because you don't have to worry about the logistics of whether or not you need to pay a royalty, whether you paid for the right subscription to get the royalty plan, da 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 da. All you do is you go on Storyblocks and you sign up for the unlimited all access plan. This gives you access to a virtually unlimited library of stock assets. We use it for video and B-roll. We use it for motion graphics. We use it for images. And the best part about the unlimited all access plan is that you can download as much as you want, whenever you want, and use it wherever you want. This is a huge asset for us. So if you're just an individual creator or you're a creative agency or a whole business, it doesn't matter. This is a great tool to have in your toolkit. And once again, a huge thanks to them for sponsoring this podcast continually because honestly it wouldn't be possible for us to take the time to produce it if it wasn't for them so head on over to storyblocks.com/ corridor cast to check out more that's storyblocks.com/ corridor cast and um, well you're gonna love it
2: okay back to the episode let's go you know I'm kind of sad that in like popular culture science fiction like little propellers and little rocket engines are like no longer considered like a viable way to maneuver your imaginary vehicles. Cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's too, like, I was like, Pff, propellers don't work like that. You know, like, if you had, like, a plane with 100 propellers on the top or, like, you know, a battleship <laughs> that, like, you yeah. know, had, like, eight little rockets that, like, you know, pushed it along. Like, they don't do that anymore. It's always, like, anti-gravity or, you know. Mm. Everybody's too wise about propellers and rockets these days.
1: And eventually <laughs> they'll get wise about anti-gravity. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'll be the exactly. same shtick and then it'll be something else. Well, <laughs> what we got to do?
3: We what? We got to make a giant drone ship. There you go. Okay. I'm listening. That's it. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what we
1: got to do, man? Okay, I got a great idea. We got to make a giant drone ship.
3: Okay? okay but It'll, it it won't be powered by propellers.
1: That. It'll be powered by anti-gravity, man.
3: People I have do. done it. People have like built chairs with like 50 DJI drones around them to lift them into the air. It's well, crazy. they're not DJI drones. They're uh they're high-powered
0: motors, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) i've I've, I've actually looked into this quite a bit because i would love to be able to actually pilot my own drone with my body in it um and it's like it's the sort of thing that we can do today with current technology people have done it already uh yeah on top of that uh there i want to be able to fly a drone that can also swim you know, whoa. like, because uh, I've seen a video, uh, I think it was from J. True. I forget who uh, made the video um, of like a drone on the bottom of a pool. And if it the propellers turn on, it floats up to the top of the pool, leaves it and then flies away.
3: <laughs> oh, Whoa. Yeah, I guess it, that could work. Because,
0: I mean, as long as you waterproof all the electronics, the motors, there's no electronics in a motor. It's just wires. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get wet. That's no big deal. As long as you waterproof all everything that's, you know, a circuit, you can have it go underwater. So that's, some, that's something that I kind of want to try, is maybe add, wow. like, a fifth propeller on the back that's just, like, a little impeller to make it go forward.
1: <laughs> oh, speaking Man, of flying stuff, so uh, I've got a question. You know how you 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 know how you flew that jet pack? Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Ren last year, was it last year? Yeah, it was last yeah. December. Ren flew a jet pack at the <laughs> LAX airport, wasn't it? It wasn't LAX. Oh, where was it?
0: It was, like, it, it, uh, in Ventura. Okay. It was, like,
1: really far away from LAX. You were in an airplane hangar. Yes. Okay. So I saw, an, I saw an article. Did you Did you see that article I shared with you? I think I know it, what you're talking about. It was about. a couple weeks ago, and I shared uh-huh. with you an article where there had been sightings right. of people at LAX being like, Yeah, we saw this. We saw somebody in a jetpack again today. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, Something. Yes, I looked into that. Um, okay.
0: Currently, no one knows what it is, because it couldn't have been a jetpack. It definitely wasn't any of the jetpacks that anyone knows of currently, because oh, a jetpack okay. can fail, Yeah. and right. you fall. Right. And if you're a... Because I I asked the dude who invented the jetpack that I tried out, and I was like, how high can it go? And he's like, however high as I want it to go. <laughs> I can yeah. go to the atmosphere, <laughs> or the stratosphere if I want to, but like... You know, if, it, it, it fails a lot, and if it fails, if I'm anywhere above, like, 15 feet, you're going to break some legs. Right. So, they wow. rarely fly above, like, 10, 15 feet. <laughs> right. Unless they're over water, and then they never go above, like, 40, 50, but still. So, uh, th- that sighting came from, I think, pilots uh, okay. flying actual airliners as opposed to uh, uh, pedestrians or whatever, and yeah. they're seeing them at, like, 3,000 feet altitude, which is, like, really high up. Um and then it was just like a one and done thing. We were like, that's a weird thing. But then it happened again, like a month later. <laughs> right. Someone saw saw the same thing again. No one still knows what that was or what it is wow. or what's going on.
1: That person fell into the Pacific no. Ocean and <laughs> they are no longer with us.
3: <laughs> uh, it was hypothesized
0: Aww. that maybe it was like a mannequin on a drone.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's a boring explanation. It's, a, what about it's just a, a one that makes
1: sense. It, or it was a person who was just dumb enough be, the thing i don't i don't know how you could be smart enough to make a jet pack but then dumb enough to fly at that high without knowing that it, you had some fail safe so i mean that's a
3: superhero on our hands
2: <laughs> maybe we have a flying man on our hands <laughs> <laughs> we've
1: got to call the authorities we've got a flying
2: man on our hands an iron man <laughs> <laughs> do you think the pilots were just flying along he's like is that a guy is that a guy? Is that straight
1: of a dude right there? Hey, Frank. Frank, is that a guy? Is that a guy? <laughs> Wait, is it? This is a, a throwback
2: sh- reference. Shit, I don't think, I think anyone's gonna hold get. On,
1: hold on. Hold on. Okay, I got. Uh, okay, I got it. Here, let me send. <laughs> let me send that to the wife. Okay. <laughs> hey, honey. <laughs> hey is this a guy (laughs) i mean dude i who knows i could see somebody doing that though i could see somebody being like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna be the first one and then iron man is gonna happen to me yeah
0: but here's the thing they would if someone's doing that and they're flying that high up they're not gonna do it near an airport
1: yeah you would Mm. think but who who would you know like no
0: one would fly anything near an airport like that it's incredibly reckless and dangerous
2: right
3: yeah, but... It's
2: hard he, to be that smart and that dumb at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Are like, unless
3: you're a billionaire... Who with owns a pile of and, an <laughs> ...and you buy your tech.
1: <laughs> and you own your tech.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, unless you're an Iron Man. Mm-hmm. In which case, you know, I don't know. Maybe you could do it. Uh, maybe it was a mannequin on a drone, but still, even, even in the event that it was a mannequin flying a drone, you're still dealing with a person... <laughs> <laughs> or a, a drone flying a mannequin, sorry. Uh, you're still dealing with a situation where somebody's flying that close to an airport mm-hmm. recklessly. Yep. So I, I'd say, yeah, it's more likely that it's that, because that's way more accessible to an idiot. Yes,
0: but, I mean, the FAA is all over this right now. They are investigating the hell out of this right now. Oh,
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're super excited about it. They're like, guys, planes have been taking off and landing with almost 100% consistency for the last 80 years, okay? And now there's a mannequin or a man flying around.
3: (laughs) Dude, it's just Jeff Bezos. It's obviously just Jeff Bezos.
1: It's just Jeff. (laughs) Old Jeff. (laughs) You know, your old pal Jeff. (laughs) up there he left the honda accord now he's up in the sky flying around
2: jeff bezos drives a honda accord
1: no he used to though when Uh. when when amazon was like a a a young company and he did his first like 60 minutes interview um they they were driving around in a uh, like a honda civic or something that that was like basically it was like yours it was same era (laughs) it was late 90s uh and so
2: you're saying like i'm like jeff bezos and
1: yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's okay. that's where, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> now he drives a Tesla.
2: <laughs>
1: no way, he Does drives he? a jetpack.
2: We no, just ne- covered this. Yeah, Nico <laughs> drives, drives the jetpack. Oh, gotcha. oh, yeah, I drive a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how
0: I mean, have you do- been enjoying that Model Y, by the way?
2: To the Model Y is the best car I've ever driven, <laughs> straight really? up. And I- are you worried um, about it nice taking cars.
1: control of you and driving off somewhere <laughs> that you no, don't have control over? Okay, because when there was one time, Ren it wouldn't move until Ren put his seatbelt on, and I was concerned. <laughs> what? When was that? Remember when we were at the range and we were filming Boston Dynamics, and you got him to move it and. You went to put, And it wouldn't move in reverse until you put the seatbelt on?
0: <laughs> okay, I, that is actually something it does do and it's really annoying because I get home and my, if my gate is closed, I have to get out because I back into my driveway. So I have to get out, open the <laughs> gate, and I get back into my car Stupid. to pull into the, the driveway and I never put on my seatbelt because I'm going in a driveway. So I go about four feet and then the car just lurches to a stop. I'm like, huh? And it's like... Oh and it's like, put your seatbelt on. We're preventing a rollaway. It's in danger. It's like, what?
3: Oh, a rollaway. You should just 3D print a little seat buckle and just put it in.
0: That, that's you... way more work than it is. do I have you... to worry about taking it out and then storing it. In this... <laughs>
1: how are you going to ghost ride the whip if you can't get out of your Tesla while it's
3: driving? <laughs> Autonomously ghost ride the whip. I mean, people I mean... have
0: tried that.
1: People have actually
0: succeeded in doing that before getting, you know... Find tremendous amounts of money with a mannequin. It's illegal. Uh, I I forget how they did it, but basically, the dude, like, he puts a weight on the steering wheel and some sort of weight on the seat to fool it into thinking he's still there. I think he was, like, sitting on the seatbelt. And then he just got up and got in, like, the back seat as it's going down the highway, and someone got a video of him doing Mm. that.
1: Yeah, I don't want to do that.
0: I think it was was in England. It was in the UK, I believe, and I think he got arrested. Yeah, don't do that. Maybe it was Germany. I I forget where. But it was yeah, super not okay.
1: We could totally yeah. do that on someone's land, though. <laughs> and that would be a lot of fun.
0: I, I mean, you could have a car par-
1: drive itself on someone's property.
0: Yeah, without it does anyone Tesla
2: in it? need like road, uh, like road maps or road vectors to like truly do autonomous driving? Though,
0: I'm not sure what you mean by that.
2: Well, I guess it does. It does the parking lot summon thing, but like when you're on a road, I thought the Tesla kind of checked in with the like known maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, to like, okay, there should be like a 15-degree curve coming up here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, so if if you're on private property and you didn't have that, then theoretically the Tesla wouldn't be able to follow the roads correctly.
0: Uh, potentially. I mean, what it's still doing is it's reading all the cameras. You know, uh, Tesla's uh, yeah. uh, standpoint on this is that like, all right, people can drive cars using two cameras as inputs, going back to the video, the crew video mm. that you guys were making earlier. So it's like if we can do that with just two cameras, a car should be able to do it with eight cameras, radar, and sonar. Um, <laughs> yeah, cars. Come as, on. As opposed to how everyone else is doing self-driving cars, which is using a lidar scanner, actually taking, creating like a real-time 3D scan of the environment.
3: Whoa!
0: Um, but there's a lot of downsides of that. It like doesn't work in rain or fog. Hmm. Um, yeah. So.
2: Wait, does, yeah. the Tesla doesn't have lidar either. It just has radar and sonar. Correct,
0: yeah, and the sonar is oh. only effective up to, like, five feet around the car, like a circumference around the car, and then the radar is, like, 500 feet in front of you, but not behind or to the sides.
2: So the sonar is what the, what it uses to tell if you're about to, like, bump your door on a garbage exactly, can. Exactly, yeah, so when
0: it starts popping up, like, how many inches away from something you I are. I
2: love that feature. It's so nice. good. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, gas motors aside, like, there's so many other, like, little things about cars that they just rethought like there's not this legacy of like well we have 40 years of making this car body it's got to have these things in it mm-hmm. like that i just i super appreciate in in the model y you know everything from like the wireless phone charger built into like the console where you put your phone so like anytime you set your phone down there it starts charging it's like that's which so even good. i don't have <laughs> you can get it i'm sure i can it's a little like yeah, you just pop on the plates or whatever
0: I'm like um, I don't want to pay 150 bucks for this little upgrade.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then things like the yeah, the phone key is like another one. I mm. like I'm surprised that maybe maybe cars are like this these days, but I don't think so. But I'm surprised more cars don't have a second battery for running your electronics at this point. Like why is why are all the car's electronics still running off the 12 volt battery meant for starting your engine? Like mm. make a separate like lipo battery bank for your car to just run things like your radio and like your bluetooth receivers and all the things that make your car smart that like you should in- make independent of your motor having to run you know like why don't they do that it's it a, so a good
0: idea for sure but you know it's like truly ironic nico a tesla <clears throat> maybe not the model y i'm but i'm pretty sure that is still the case all of the electronics all of the computer the software all that stuff Still run off of an, a lead-acid 12-volt battery. A regular run-of-the-mill car battery is actually inside a Tesla, and that's what all the electronics are run off of.
2: What? Really? Yep, yep. Done. <laughs> Done. <dun, dun>, <laughs> Trouble in paradise. <laughs> Guys.
1: No. And then that battery is no. recharged. Somebody, by the help car battery. Somebody help Nico. Somebody help Nico.
0: You can get out of this.
4: It's not
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 You could also hack into any Model 3 or Model Y. You know that little circle on the front of your car? That little, like, little circle thing?
2: Mm, oh, wait. What it's like wheel. the panel.
0: It's like a little, it's a little circle about this yes, big, like a on the on the, on the front out. fascia. Yeah. yeah, you could actually poke into that and pull out two wires, and if you connect a nine volt battery to it, it'll open your hood. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. So anyone can open anyone's hood if you have a nine volt battery. Whoa! <laughs> but then of course, you know, you're on camera because Teslas are recording four different camera feeds at all times, and the alarm would go off. And all that i need to
2: stuff. get the uh a usb stick so yeah I can but then save those you, you already got
1: the you already got the mask on okay because it's covid so then now you just pull out your phone and the alarm's going off and you're like you just point, you just wear like a nice button up with like some slacks so people are like oh yeah that, that guy owns that car and then you're like you're like looking at your phone like yeah people are looking at you i, I don't know I, i'm trying to fix it i don't know i'm calling somebody right now yeah sorry hey sorry and then your buddy's just there, like, ripping out all the components. <laughs> I mean, Jake, I've
0: actually thought about that before. Like, not actually following through on it, but I've I've thought about, like, you know, what if? What if I decided to, you know, just rob this Tesla? Like, how would I go about doing to it?
1: dream, Ren. It doesn't cost anything to dream. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so, no, there's a huge problem with uh, a lot of different functionalities like that. Uh, with these Ford F-150s that I got, <clears> th- there's, like, this really easy way to crack into the to the cabins and so out here there's so damn many no there's so damn many of them out here all you need is a phillips head screwdriver and basically a a hammer and then you can pop the you can get right into them and so there's so many of them out here like people are always breaking into them for all kinds of nonsense yeah so i'm super paranoid about that now um
2: locks are just an illusion of security
1: they are a lock only keeps an honest (laughs) man honest I, I once heard <laughs> it said oh um,
2: that's pretty good so but yeah if i think about locks sorry Keep going. Keep going. No, that's it go, <laughs> go <on.
1: laughs> yeah yeah so um it's you know there's always some way to to do a hack or you know uh do you remember when we were in high school nico those kids got busted uh stealing cars because they were cracking into, uh, they had this way to, you, you basically crack the like third panel in a window mm. hmm. and then you open it. And then they were like, they were like hammering into the top of the steering column and then like hot wiring them and, dry, and joyriding wow. them. Yeah, hmm. Uh that was a thing for a while. A I wasn't huh. a part of it, but I heard about it. I just, you know. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you I, heard about I, I heard it. about it. I, I heard it They know in... an awful
3: lot about the process. <laughs> yeah. You,
1: know, you, know, you know, they pop
2: that one window
3: and they you go know, in the car. Yeah. They... The specific, models, <laughs>
1: specific models from 94 to 99, you know. Uh, <laughs> no. So, yeah, I think they all got arrested. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Oof. Peter your video lagged out really hard for a second there so like (laughs) you just end up with like really bad comedic timing on that green wire joke (laughs) it's like we (laughs) moved on (laughs) there's like a solid eight seconds later like don't touch the green wire (laughs) it's like hey (laughs) don't touch the green wire
4: (laughs) I've been working on this zinger
2: from like this moment from five minutes ago actually
3: my Wi-Fi was fine I just have awful comedic timing
2: (laughs) It's all good, man. Happens to the best Do you guys of us. want
0: to talk about Population 1?
2: Yeah, yeah, I do. It's finally Peter, so you've, you've been
0: playing a little bit more. You finally yeah, got to dude, work in and you've great. been playing. Dude, okay, the good. first
3: like, week I tried to play, there were so many bugs. Like I couldn't turn, my clips wouldn't go in, my camera would stay in the same place when I moved my head, but uh, they finally fixed all of it. Are you really sure fun. it wasn't
1: your Wi-Fi? <laughs> you
3: no, know, it might have been my Wi-Fi. Hey, but I upgraded my router and modem, so now I don't have McDonald's Wi-Fi anymore. Oh, dude, <laughs> sick. I called them. I was like, hey, I'm supposed to be getting, like, 300 megabits. I'm getting, like, three. And they were like, oh, dude, your router is, like, 15 years old. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, well, there's a your one. problem right there. Yeah, hey, hey let right me there. tell
1: you something. There's a problem
0: right there. there so Nico and I have been playing Population 1, which is a VR battle royale game. Uh, we've been playing it on the Quest 2, and it has honestly been one of the best, like, VR experiences just for, like, quick, fun, uh, multiplayer uh, shooter-type fun stuff. Uh, it helps and that Peter, we win
3: all the it time. It does help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to the point that I don't want to play anymore unless I'm playing with uh, one of you guys because oh I usually God. end up getting paired with two guys who are brand new to the game, and we end up losing. I'm like, well, this sucks. <laughs> but So, Peter, you're playing on the Vive Pro with the yeah. lighthouse tracking and all that stuff.
3: So it's not made for the Vive Pro, but it does work on it. Like, it was made for o- Oculus, right? It
0: was made for, yeah, but this game has been, this has been in development for like two years. They announced oh, it wow. like two years ago, and so then the Quest came out, and they they actually pivoted to make it uh, mm. work on the Quest, and then the Quest 2. So actually, if you're playing on it from the computer, your graphics are going to be better than what we're seeing on the Quest. <clears throat> Interesting. Um, but that being said, I have not had any complaints about the graphics in this game, even yeah. though it's like, I guess technically they're lo-fi texture, like simplistic. It is kind of fortnite in style Mm -hmm. but there's something just so satisfying about just like climbing something looking around jumping off and (laughs) flying there and then Mm -hmm. pulling out a gun and and then just like Mm, that
3: feels very freeing
2: yeah They, they did a they did a really good job of like embracing like you know this is an ethos that brian brought to like boneworks to a certain degree too which is like vr shouldn't just be about fully simulating reality it should be about giving you the access to the reality of your dreams, you know, having levitation, having flying, having infinite strength, like all these things. You want to enable some of that to make it like truly fun because otherwise mm-hmm. why go into VR? I can pick up an object and drop it in real life and marvel at the <laughs> physics of that, you know. <laughs> I do that and, all uh, the
4: time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so population 1 brings to life, you know, a lot of types of gameplay that you really can only have in VR, but it's simplified enough and like babyified enough that like you know, you can still do it in what is not, you know, it's not a perfect representation of reality. It's it's definitely still a proximity of it. So, you know, things like reloading a gun, it's not like a fine-tuned thing. It's just a, bleh, bleh, you know, you just basically do two movements and you're done. <laughs> but you still have to do a movement to reload. It still requires a physical reaction. And the weird thing about Population 1 compared to, like, shooters on the computer for myself is I'm way more situationally aware and spatially aware totally. in VR and in Pop 1 than I am, like, on the computer playing a shooter. And it's weird, like... I know way more like about where people are positioned, how they're moving. Like it just—it's a weird sense where it's like. Maybe it's because I spent more time in VR over the past few years, but like, it my brain clicks with that information so much better. So when I get into a gunfight, like I'm way Whoa. more deadly compared to a gunfight. I, like when I'm playing mouse and keyboard, well, I'm probably you're way more
0: deadly
3: the Inputs to... that you would get, you know, just in real life, and your brain has so much more power to process that than process what's on a screen. So it kind of makes sense. It's more intuitive. And there's the yeah. depth factor. Yeah, You know, like being able to see depth just from from two eyes. I've started
0: experimenting with making 3D video. We have like the Insta360 Evo camera, which is basically a 360 camera that literally unfolds to become two 180-degree cameras that are perfectly distanced, uh, the same distance as our eyeballs, so that like it records video, and when you review it back... In a VR headset, it literally looks like you're seeing real life. It's pretty nuts. So I threw it's it on amazing. my my racing drone and like flew around a park, and it's like, ah, I'm flying.
3: Ah! <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Is Ren showed me that video, and my whole expression the entire time was just, oh. <laughs> 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 I
0: also took it on a one wheel ride, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, it works. It works really well, but it's like it's shooting at 5K. I mean, between, shared between the two images, so it's like 5K is not enough for hmm. for like a VR video. Maybe not like 360 video, in my opinion, completely overrated. If I'm in a VR headset and I'm wanting to watch something, put it in front of me. I don't care what's behind me. I don't don't waste your pixels on all that stuff. I just yeah. want to see 3D 180 video in front of me, uh, and I think it's yeah, it's the way to go. So I think we have to be at, at least 8K before it starts getting like 8K like 60 FPS minimum for that sort of thing to be like.
3: Good. Well, you have like a lower frame rate, higher resolution mode on that, right? What? You showing me one video that had what? a lower what? frame rate, had a better resolution. Oh yes. Okay, so. <laughs> what? What? Huh?
0: No, I, I, I. In in my experiments, I had one that was shooting like five K at. 30 fps and then another one that was shooting 4k at 50 fps Oh, okay. and the 4k 50 fps looks significantly better because that temporal resolution is a big deal it's like at Uh 30 fps you know it might look more cinematic or maybe not 30 but you know 24 but when you're immersed in something you don't want to have that stuttery feel it's really like
3: jarring to watch so you want to have as high frame rate as possible yeah it looked much better with the high frame rate even though it was less resolution exactly yeah hey Ren
1: um you get a lot of questions from people looking to uh to do what you do with their life um i we get i should actually send some some more of these to you because we get we get emails like every day of people asking hey i want to do you know what you guys do i just don't know how um is this a
0: skillshare segue
1: no, this is not a Skillshare segue. No, this is a legit segue. Um, okay, okay. I have a legit question. So, um, Spencer's been asked this too, because Spencer's kind of a MacGyver of, uh-huh. of, of technology and, and trait. Um, what's, what do you think the best, most direct path is for someone to be able to do relatively the same thing as what you do in your life? And, and not necessarily the same path that you took, but like gotta go to NAM. <laughs>
4: a, a what? Oh, go gotta to go, NAM?
1: Go go to NAM. Back in NAM is where
0: I got these skills. That's true, yeah. <laughs> Ren did live in Vietnam. Um, which is completely irrelevant. <laughs> but uh I mean so it's have, weird. You're, you're, I don't know anyone else who who does what I do. Like, not even anyone here at Cordor does what I do, you know? Right, like right. I, I don't know. I, when you say like are you talking about being a youtuber making videos being like a visual effects artist because i'd say those are two different things uh or like any number of other things that we do here like what's the best I, mean, I think those, that?
1: that's yeah that's that's a good uh, uh combination of of traits i think like do you need a dad that's a geologist do you need to like <laughs> you know how, what do you did he, did you absorb information from him that got you, like, inspired to do stuff? Or, like, did you, did you just, were you like, you know what, engineering, then VFX, and then I'm good to go?
0: Yeah, I mean, the engineering thing was just, like, that's, I mean, my, my brain works at, like, an engineer brain would, I guess. Uh, but there's a huge amount of crossover between visual effects and, and engineering, because it's all problem solving. Uh, I've just always been way more of, like, visually based in how I, like, view the world and think about problems. So it was, like, when I was actually, like, finishing up my engineering degree, like, literally my final semester in my last year that I was, like, I don't want to do engineering. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it wasn't so much that I didn't want to do it as much as I was really falling in love with, you know, making YouTube videos and and visual effects. And then this new channel came out out of nowhere called Corridor Digital and uploaded, (laughs) like, this random, like, VFX uh, test of, like... (laughs)
2: the floor, oh, like man, you're it like, fat. Floor like, like literally oh, that one TV of the first videos from greensides, right? With the TV coming out of the floor. Yep.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I, I the and there's like the, the storm on the, on the street. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. you
0: saying the building's not up to code as you bonked into it. Like anyway, <laughs> this was all around the same time as like Freddie and whatnot. And, uh, I was just before that, I was also discovering visual effects. So it was all like hobby based and so it was all stuff I taught myself. And when I say that there's crossover between that and uh, engineering, it's like technically I'm not, I've, I've never really applied anything I learned in engineering directly to VFX, but it does help with like learning how to work hard and problem solve and just like persevere through like late nights and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. And
1: then also, I guess that, oh, go ahead.
0: <clears throat> well, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is that like all of the resources are out there for you to learn to do whatever it is you want to do. Like it doesn't matter what it is, you could probably find some sort of resource for free chances are if not maybe it costs a little bit of money for like some sort of course or whatever uh, But yeah it's like you combine that with passion that is so intense it borderlines on obsession i think you have to have a little bit of obsession to really make it in in some of these fields mm-hmm. i agree and yeah. it's like you know obsession isn't exactly healthy and at the same time so, so to define, I guess, what I consider to be obsession, it's it's when you take something that is of interest to you, like a hobby, but then you just like, you, you just focus on it. And it's it's the only thing you care about in your life. You're not watching movies or video games. You don't have any sort of like side things you do on the side. Like all of your spare time is doing this one thing. And ideally all of your like pro time is also doing that same thing. Like back in the Like early 2010s, like right around when I graduated college, and I was like focusing on this stuff. Like I would spend all day, every day, just focusing on learning how to do visual effects, coming up with uh, ideas that I can try to actually follow through on. Because it's one thing to study tutorials and like learn and read everything you can, but -hmm. it's another to actually apply that stuff. And the only way to apply it is to like pick something you're going to try to do and just work your butt off to try to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's all about just like, all right, I have no idea how to do this, but the process of getting to that point is so valuable and then it's like okay once you've done that then it's the next thing and that's basically what all youtube is is just doing that over and over and over again you make a new video make another new video do it again rinse, repeat you're in you're out
2: <laughs> i mean that, that's really echoes my experience and i, I bet it, it, it sounds like it echoes peter's and jake's experience yep. too i mean i think that's what you're Pretty saying there's on. kind of the core truth of uh anybody who's really trying to go out and pursue something that requires you to be unique is you have to be unique (laughs) and really the only way to be unique at something is to like truly dedicate yourself to something and develop it and make it yours, which is not something that happens casually or flippantly.
1: I think that's one of the hardest things, especially for if you're coming out the gate, you know, from high school or college and you're trying to, you're trying to pick because, uh, once you start doing that, the, the other doorways of your life have to close, You know in order for you to be obsessed at one thing you have to close the door off to five other things yeah but but it also that that uh that also narrows your focus too so that's not necessarily a bad thing because it it narrows your focus it allows you to simply and more efficiently focus on 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 something and ideally that something is taking all the other five things that you could be doing and giving you something more rewarding as a result of it and that's different for everybody but I I almost flunked out of
0: college due to this obsession. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I was put on uh, academic probation twice in college for, like, getting bad grades. Like, I think I got a couple (laughs) Ds. Yeah, <laughs> Like I wasn't very good at like advanced calculus.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, it, was, I, I was... it was hard.
0: And, and so, but it was like, but it was because, I mean, partly because I was, you know, playing Halo with all my, my roommates and whatnot, but also because I was obsessed with like just learning as much as I could about filmmaking and visual effects. And I was just absorbing as much information as I could. And as a result, my studies that I was paying tuition to do were suffering. And so at a certain point I had to realize I had to stop doing all this so I could focus on finishing engineering. Otherwise, I would lose probably both. And so, yeah, yeah. like you're saying, when, if you're going to have this one door open, your other doors are closing around you. Right. And I realized, okay, this is a fun side door, but I have to close it to make sure this main door stays open.
3: Right. It really helps, yeah. too, when you love it. Like, Fred, yeah. it sounds like you really loved it, and so you didn't have a problem dedicating all your time to it. And honestly, I feel like that's such a gift more than anything is to love the thing that you're doing because then all the work you're doing doesn't feel as much like work. I guess Even that's where,
0: yeah. I guess that's where like the passion side of things comes in because it's like it's obsession, yeah. But passion is obsession with love, right?
2: <laughs> man, this is Did a poetic
0: podcast.
2: Yeah, it, it, there's a there's, <laughs> it's a it's a balance too because you. I mean, locks always keep an honest man honest. <laughs> um,
1: no, I almost flunked out of law school because of it too. I like did flunk he... out of
2: college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peter. Well, I just yeah. stopped going. Yeah, Peter just stopped going. <laughs>
0: but you stopped at the worst time, dude.
2: <laughs> well, that's started. the best time. He'd be Brandon sitting never there through Zoom either. classes right now, man. God, oh, can you uh, imagine yeah, paying sixty that. grand a year for college right now, and all you're getting is Zoom classes? It's like, dude, I could watch rough. YouTube tutorials and, <laughs> and make money. <laughs>
1: like, I think ugh. a lot of people are right now.
2: Honestly,
0: um, oh, that's rough. Dude, my, uh, I might be outing him a little bit here, but one of the guys I raced with from Race to the Rail, um, I'm not going to say his name just to make it a little harder. Anyway, he's a kid. Uh, very, very good at one-wheeling, and him and I uh, bonded over batteries. Uh, <laughs> like he, he's, he loves to take apart uh, the one-wheel and like sell off parts and like remake battery packs and stuff like that. Uh, and, and so he was telling me about this last semester of school where it was all Zoom-based, and he basically just checked out. he he, like he would like turn it on so that he was like technically like you know in class but he was just doing he was just tinkering off to the side so he wasn't that whole last semester of class like he didn't pay attention at all
3: wait is this high school or college
0: he's a uh, high school kid um but he's also a very very smart dude i don't think he's really missing out too much on that but mm, i mean you know whatever so (laughs) instead he's just having a thriving business making (laughs) thousands of dollars as a freaking 15 year old high school kid more power to him like a lot lots of power. I mean, that's yeah
2: that's important if you're going to if you're going to check out you have to be like you have to be dedicating your time to something you know your passion your your obsession like that's you know if you're just going to sit there and play video games i mean maybe if you're doing it pro you know <laughs> if you're professionally yeah. playing video games video but... games
0: are where it gets little little uh There's a big difference
1: between there's a big, big difference between not not going because you're you're starting your own business, which is effectively what that kid's doing. Yeah. Or like, you know, uh, Brandon was uh, had finished and he was already doing he was already like scheduled and slated to go into the field that he wanted to do. Peter, same thing. Ren, you were effectively training yourself to do all the skills to to do what you do now there's a huge difference between that and just being like, well, schools for idiots. So like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, like if, and sometimes, you know, for people that are wondering about like, Hey, maybe you haven't found that thing yet. Sometimes you find something and then you become passionate about it because you start to see how it affects the rest of the world around you, you mm-hmm. know? And you might not have seen that at the beginning, but once, you know, once you uncover that rock or two and you're like, oh, hey, actually that part about what I'm doing right now, actually, it, I really like that. What's what's underneath there? And then you start to turn over the, you start to walk through those doors and you start to see, oh, how, how it comes back or opens up these other doors into all these other things. Um, so, Peter, yeah.
2: I, I got a question for you as yeah. someone who's just finished their run at college. What <laughs> advice would you have for other people that are interested in doing Not necessarily VFX, but, you know, kind of what we're doing here, like trying to take one of your passions and make an entertainment slash information career out of it. You know, what what advice would you have for someone like that?
3: I mean, film school is a great place to go. I mean, I not because of the classes that you're going to be taking, because in my classes, we like started off with the really obscure, abstract, experimental stuff. It's like Mm -hmm. we didn't start with Raiders of the Lost Ark and work our way forwards. We started with like the creme de la creme of art films and worked our way backwards <laughs> which was a really strange way to do it and mm. i didn't get to pick up a camera in any class until my last year of college so my mm. biggest piece of advice would be to just not wait for anybody to tell you to make a movie and just i mean it's like you've heard this yeah. advice from a million youtubers over the years but just pick up a camera and start making movies. Don't worry about spending money or anything. And honestly, I feel like I did waste, not waste, because it's valuable, but I spent a lot of time learning how to make things look good and sound good and look realistic, where I wish I had been focusing that time more on learning structure and storytelling and screenwriting and that kind of thing. Because you know, you can have a movie that looks amazing and sounds amazing, but if the story's not great, then nobody's going to want to watch it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, to add on that, I feel like a lot of the value from, like, getting a film degree or an art degree is that it's it, you're getting all of the theory, getting all of, like, the why things are this way, why people implement these strategies when it comes to art or, you know, and structure and storytelling and all that stuff. Whereas, like, all the technical stuff, that's best learned on your own. That's best learned through, like, just actually following a manual and doing it. And and so it's like, that's that's probably why you don't pick up a camera until the last year because it's like, I, I I don't know. There's yeah. a lot. I mean, I'm saying it's like you should definitely just not consider that a film school is going to get you to hold a camera. That's something you have to do on your own. The film school right. is there to tell you why you're holding a camera. Right. I mean, I don't know. Nico, yeah. you went to you went to you got like a film minor or art major. <laughs> 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 I had a were, double were, major, Ren. Double major. Um, that's what it is. Okay. I knew. I knew
2: it was they're art. They're both on equal footing. And also,
0: okay, okay,
1: that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I
0: just knew. God, I always God,
2: remember. <laughs> I mean, you, no, I double majored in film and uh, fine art. Fine art. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the one that always degree, sticks out in my head. Yeah, the fine art degree is what like gave me like a bunch of the wisdom I have today. I got some of it from my film degree really only from two classes one of which was kind of a bullshit class but it was a fun class that like made you think it was it was psychology in film and there's so much freud in that class by the way freud while being a famous psychologist none of his shit is scientifically like used <laughs> today like it's all right. it's all made up <laughs> it's entirely something just looking at the world and, of the mind yeah it's all made up stuff somebody trying to make it all make sense and it's all you know nowhere based on scientific theory these days I mean, there's you know, some initial like things that started the, th- the thought process to where we are now and whatnot. But anyways, this film class like did way too much quoting of Freud because obviously none of his stuff <laughs> applies to medical psychology. But um, I'm speaking in broad generalizations here. <laughs> I'm sure someone who has a psychology degree is going like, to chime in what? in the comments <laughs> later. Like- oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, but the, it, that class still taught us to think about things that you completely take for granted when it comes to filmmaking and start asking like, it's, it's literally the psychological psychological function that you have where it's like, at what point do you start ignoring the borders of the screen? You know, like, do you ask yourself that? Do you ever go like, boy, I wish the screen was a little bit wider? <laughs> like, you don't. You like the moment you start watching TV, you ignore the borders and they go away. Mm-hmm. And there's all these kind of questions of like, how does that work? How psychologically what happens? What happens if if you have eight shots in a row that are all, you know, like shoulder mounted head height shots? And your ninth shot is up high looking down at your actors like a god's eye view. What does that do, psychologically speaking? Like, what does it trigger inside oh. of you? Especially, like, to people that don't study it. Like, because people just watch a movie, right? It just you absorb it and that's it. So mm-hmm. what what are you tweaking in their brain when you cut to that angle that's different than all the other angles? Um, and so they I'll all say it's things. You know, you look, it's, yeah, it was fascinating stuff. But, like it, was, like, it was very, like, you know, hocus-pocus science at the same time. But it was like one of two classes that like really got me like thinking about the function of film. And that was, you know, by then I was a senior was like my last semester. And so then I was out of school by that point, whereas I got a lot more of that kind of stuff from my art degree. Um, You know, everything from like artist statements to having a purpose, you know, the craftsmanship, like they definitely don't really teach you craftsmanship in in film school. I mean, they do in some, obviously, and they do in some art classes, but like you're going to get, you know, there's no point in going to college to learn how to use Adobe Premiere or Adobe After Effects.
4: <laughs> that's <laughs> a very
2: good point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, that's not what college is for. And yeah. there's especially no point in going like 150 to $200,000 in debt just to learn After Effects. But if you're going to be going to meet people and like trying to learn new perspectives and broaden your points of view on things, like it can be, it can be yeah. very valuable for that. But you, that was you also. The, yeah.
3: Yeah. That was the biggest takeaway I got from college was just having that experience of moving away from home and <clears throat> learning about myself and broadening, broadening my horizons as a person. Self-exploration. I feel like that, yes, spiritual yeah. exploration. Um, <laughs> no, but that was definitely the most valuable part. So I, I don't think college is for everybody, but I think getting out of the house and moving somewhere else is for everybody. And then also yeah. like,
0: you know, having roommates or flatmates or, you know, living in a dorm and just having that social experience I think is important.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because you still need to interact with people for the rest of your life. So you might as well get good at it. Yeah, I mean, look at Clint. Look
0: at how awful he turned out. He didn't go to college.
3: God help him. Okay, well, Clint went to freaking yoga school in Bali, which is just (laughs) sick. No, Clint
1: did get up out of the house and go and and try, you know. Yeah, he's done a bunch of
2: traveling. Like, he pursued the same things that one would experience in college. But he did it without college, which is entirely yeah. something you can do. Like you don't need to go to college, um, but at the same time, you should enrich yourself as a person and grow yourself as a person, no matter what you do. Um, you know that stuff's good to do. My one advice for people who are listening to this and thinking about getting into film school or, you know, switching careers or all that kind of stuff, you know, my one piece of advice would be to try not to go into debt for it, because especially if it's a passion-driven thing. Because at some point, you need to start turning it into a career. And it's really hard to make that push from it being a passion to a thing that actually gives you a living Mm -hmm. if you're having to pay off 500 bucks or 1000 bucks a month in the process. Especially at the beginning, you're going to be doing a lot of it for free as you just try to find other people who are as passionate about it as you are. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, you'll all still have to grow as artists and network and eventually find the people that have the money in it Or find a way to make money yourself which takes time because you have to build up you know an audience and people that are willing to purchase your product um and to do all that yeah you need time and it's hard to find the time if you got the thumb of like debt just pushing down on you the whole time so that's that's the one thing that like i caution people and they like talk about going to like usc to study film it's like you know if you have a way to handle the debt we got scholarships or something you know savings whatever it might be cool but you're going to have a really hard time making good on that like film degree and finding yourself as an artist. If you are having to pay off a bunch of debt in the process, if you have a mortgage basically right out of film school, you're going to have a hard time. So, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. I mean, I remember when I got out of graduate or undergraduate and, uh, I had a little bit of debt and my first thing was like, you know, Oh, I, I gotta go get a job. Cause I gotta, I gotta pay for this college um and it and it took me from you know thinking about like okay, what's the best long term career strategy here to just okay, boom, this is my job i got to go do it um and that only lasted for so long before i you know couldn't didn't want to do it anymore um, <laughs> and, and, and eventually, I went and got myself more debt, but at the <laughs> at, at, at the time we were building that debt or I was building that debt, we were building a business too mm. so you know, it, it, they worked hand in hand and eventually, you know, that all came uh, came due and, 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 you know, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, that's a I think that's important for sure. Like if you can avoid going into debt, you'll be you'll be better off if you're already in debt because of it. Don't worry, though. You know, there's there's still ways yeah. to do it and there's ways to slice it you're just going Um, to
2: you're going to have to work through it but that's cool. everybody's got to work through it (laughs) right everybody you pay your dues at some point yeah exactly (laughs) that's the don't don't
1: be confused with with that don't confuse that with not having to pay your dues because that's that's true in every everything you do no matter what you do yep exactly
0: And that's how you become a YouTuber.
3: Hey! All
2: right. All right. Well, that's it.
1: That's it. There we go. We solved the problem of what to do with your life. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, if you guys want to really hear us rant, consider a website subscription, CorridorDigital.com. It's... uh, Way cooler than watching us on YouTube, um, <laughs> because uh, it allows us to make more shows and more content. There's exclusive shows on there. Uh, X-rated right now. content. X-rated Peter's X-rated corner.
3: Uh, all the plastic
1: Yeah, is one. We new made show. it into a series. Mm-hmm. Yep, we made <laughs> it into a whole series. Um, so go on and check that out. Uh, it's 3.99 a month, uh, and you get points that you can put into shows to uh, tell us what you want to see us make.
2: Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Heck yeah. Thanks Thanks for watching listening everybody. Yeah. Watching or listening. Whatever you like. (laughs) So long everybody. (laughs) Peace.